still love that intro music. It gets me pumped every single time. I've heard it so many times now. Actually, 48 times. It's our 48th episode. <laughs> so that's exciting. We're approaching numero 50. Uh, what a day uh, for the base Vols. What a day. Uh, well, for Vols all around, because George McIntyre, five-star quarterback, is on campus in Knoxville today. But we are here to talk about what the base Vols did tonight. And uh, part of the day yesterday and part of the day today and then tonight. <laughs> Uh, what a tremendous outing by Chase Dolander today. Uh, as you can tell in Rustin's uh, name there, he, he also agrees with me. Um, they forced a game three tomorrow. We still do not know what time that game was. Is I'm guessing, actually, while we're live, that'll probably be announced. So we'll kind of keep an eye out uh, here while we're, while we're talking, and hopefully we'll find out what time the game is tomorrow. If you've looked at the weather forecast, then you know as well as I do if, it, if they schedule that game for tomorrow afternoon or evening, we might be playing on Tuesday <laughs> uh, because there there is a lot of storms in the forecast for tomorrow afternoon and evening in Hattiesburg. So honestly, I hope they play it in the morning. I hope they start at about, you know, maybe 10 Central Time, 11 Eastern, and then they can get it in before all the storms roll in. So hopefully that's what happens because if you're a Vol fan, Rustin, why should Vol fans be very excited about a game three, other than the obvious that they're still playing? We're in the driver's seat. Um, the first the first reason is Southern Miss's number three starter is just average. There's nothing special about him. Um, he's he's middle of the road for the arms that we've seen this year. So um, we should absolutely score runs. And we've got pretty much everybody but Andrew Lindsay and Chase Dolander available. Drew Beam's going to the mound. You always feel confident when you've got him starting. But literally everybody else in the bullpen's available. Even Seth Halverson, they they said he, they feel like he could go at least one inning. So when you've got when you've got literally the entire bullpen at your disposal in an elimination game, and their bullpen's really stinking good, and we're the home team. And Southern Miss's starter isn't very good. That's a that's a recipe for a really strong day. Yeah, uh, Todd Walker was actually interviewed, which I don't know if anybody knows this, but Todd Walker was the MVP of the College World Series in 1993. They hadn't really mentioned that on the broadcast at all over the weekend. So, uh, just wanted everybody to know uh, that's what uh, Todd is famous for, and uh, he actually played at LSU. Um, they have only mentioned that just a few times this week. <laughs> uh, but one thing that, that Todd actually mentioned, um, uh, <laughs> Tyler said, thank you, Rustin, for talking me off a rant ledge today. Hashtag text a buddy. <laughs> he literally, uh, so so full disclosure, so he literally texted me when we were down whatever it was, three, four, four nothing, nothing, whatever. Um, and, and my response was, and I quote, Baseball is a weird game. It can turn around really fast. So far, you know, this is where we are, but it can turn around fast. And literally 30 minutes later, <laughs> we had three runs on the board. Then an hour later, we had six. And he texted me back and was like, okay, you're right. Um, it's <laughs> it, it's a weird game. Um, you know, I lived it all weekend. My son plays select baseball, and we were in a massive tournament this weekend. We played six games. Um, and I watched some of the most bizarre things humanly possible happen 
Yeah, baseball is just a weird game. Stuff stuff happens. Things change in a heartbeat. My personal team, we were down four to nothing this morning and came back in one thirteen to six. You just never know. Um, all of a sudden, things click. A couple of bounces go your way, and it's a totally different game. And that's exactly what happened with Tennessee today. You know, at first the Hall kid looked almost unhittable. And all of a sudden we pieced together a couple of hits and all of a sudden he doesn't look like so great of a pitcher anymore. Then Blake Burke hits one to Starkville and, and all of a sudden we're just caught it. It just landed yeah. in my house. right there. <laughs> um, So side note, did you see what they, what they fully, you know, at first it was just kind of rumored, but they have now proven it. Have you seen what they proved on the distance of that shot? You talking about the Google maps thing that somebody put on Twitter? Yeah, that was kind of cool looking, wasn't it? Well, ESPN confirmed it. So, for those of you who haven't seen it, behind the right field wall at uh, Southern Miss is a tailgating area and then a parking lot and then a road and then a church. He hit the freaking church. (laughs) I mean, every, every person around there has said they've never, ever seen a ball hit that church. He hit the roof. He didn't hit the ba- like it didn't hit the parking lot and bounce against it. He hit the roof. Like I saw a stat tonight. There's only been four baseballs in Major League Baseball this year go further than that one did. He got all of it. I think that's safe to say. You know, Todd Walker on the call made the comment it was the longest home run he's ever seen in person. Todd Walker played at LSU when we, when everybody had loaded bats. And okay. hey, he actually won the MVP of the 1993 College World Series. I don't know if you've heard that or not. That's a but thing that happened. Just, <laughs> but just think about that. The man who played in the era of loaded bats said it was the yeah. farthest home run ball he's ever seen. I mean, that is just, uh, that's obscene. You shouldn't be able to hit a ball that hard. Yep. Uh, Rebecca and company hounds too said, Hey guys, great day to be of all. So excited for Blake made it come back in a big way. I totally agree. 100%. It was so nice to see him get out of his slump. Uh, you know, first he drills the ball off (laughs) over the, over the road, over the fans off the church. And then the very next at bat, he hits one dead center off the wall. And it was funny that, that, you know, somebody, and that one got overshadowed, but that was a shot. He yeah, killed I that mean, ball. That's the thing. Like somebody uh, tweeted out after that hit, the last two hits from Blake Burke's day traveled a total of 881 feet. <laughs> and uh, one of them went even a home run, which is incredible when you think about it. Um, Mr. Jones said the Vols are good at bringing in dramatic, exciting gameplay. Yes, they are. That is totally accurate. Yes, they are. Uh, Rebecca said they can definitely bring some drama. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, Mr. Jones, good to see you, buddy. He said in game one where when he started get going today, that strikeout call was well low and outside. Um, uh, on Griffin Merritt, I bet, is the one he's talking about. Um, the, one of the umpires, I can't remember which one it was, uh, very much liked the – oh, I think it was game one today. Very much liked the outside court. Uh, uh, actually it was more like the chalk in the, the opposite batter's box was the edge of the strike zone of that guy, <laughs> but he called really, it both ways. Amazingly. Yeah. Really both games though. There was a lot of times and it drives me nuts when they do it, but there was a lot of times catchers were catching balls and pulling them back to the strike zone. Oh, and they yeah. were calling them strikes. Oh, yeah. and it's like, 
in what universe does the catcher get to dictate where the strike zone is? Yeah. Uh, does a bear poop in the woods? How can we forget that name? Welcome back. Uh, and yes, it does. Uh, my, that's my understanding. That's where else would it? Um, he said, howdy, fellas. It was a strange game. No doubt. Nervous for game three. Uh, well, let's, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let's, um, let's talk about game one and then big shocker. We'll talk about game two and then let's talk. Let's preview tomorrow. Cause we still don't have a time for tomorrow. Like I said just a minute ago, if they don't play it in the morning, we won't be playing tomorrow. <laughs> That's just the reality of the situation because there's too many storms predicted for the area all afternoon and evening. So if they don't play it in the morning, uh, it is not going to happen tomorrow. So hopefully they will. Um, you know, the NCAA is obviously in control of that, which I don't know. I got a lot of thoughts about that. But um, they, you know, they need to be playing late morning if they want to get this game in and surely both coaches are telling them that surely. Have you, have you looked at what the, uh, what the decision maker is if we'd never play? Uh, I think you said RPI. Was it RPI? Number one is RPI. UT is the higher RPI. Number two is run differential. Vols are currently winning that 11 to nine. So, well, if we, we never play that. this game, we move on to Omaha. In theory, but I don't trust the selection committee at all right now. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a standard criteria. They don't get to pick. Yeah. They have to yeah. use that criteria. I don't know. That's my batter also syndrome flaring up. They'd figure out a way. <laughs> Hopefully we just play it and we beat them. That's, that's, what, we, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, so game one, obviously, you know, Odom, I can't remember the guy's name that pitched for Southern Miss. I can't remember the dude's name. Yeah, Billy Odom, Oldham. something like that. Billy Oldham. Um, kudos to that guy, man. Like he he came out tons of control over every pitch he was throwing. Uh, he 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 did really really well. Um, you know there there were not many barreled up balls from Tennessee. Uh, the couple that were were right at people. Yeah, you can't do anything about that. You hit it right at him. Uh, like Griffin Merritt, for example, I think it was his first at bat in uh, game one. Hit a rope, man, just a laser to left field. It was right at the guy. You, know, you can't do anything about that. It's, it's just part of the game. Um, Tennessee came out uh, first part of the, the second half of the game today, immediately responded, made it f- uh, four to three. Uh, and then, you know, Southern Miss tacked on one more run. Just couldn't get timely hits. We had runners in scoring position, couldn't hit them in, couldn't get timely hits. Uh, kudos to Seth Halverson. Now, I do want to talk about Seth Halverson in, that, in game one today because yeah. he was dominant, <clears throat> dominant. And that is – that. I, we're sitting here talking about, you know, potential game tomorrow now. And the thing that Seth – one of the unsung heroes of today, even though they lost game one was Seth Halverson. And the reason that is, is because since he came in and they only had to throw one arm in the rest of game one, that saved everybody for game two and game three. So Seth Halverson was the unsung hero of the day as far as our game tomorrow, because now they got the whole bullpen essentially uh, locked and loaded, ready to go because of Halverson, how well he did today. Um, then Dolaner follows that up in game two. Uh, so we'll get to that in a minute. And, and his outing also preserved arms for tomorrow. Uh, Rustin, did you want to add anything about game one? 
No, I thought I thought Seth Halverson was outstanding. Um, you know, anytime you come in that situation, your job is just to give your team a chance. And and he did a fantastic job of holding Southern Miss where they were and, and really gave us a chance to to get in that game. Unfortunately, Absolutely. we couldn't capitalize. We couldn't capitalize on how well he threw, but um, no one can possibly have an issue with how Seth Halverson went out there. He was he was outstanding. No doubt about it. Totally agree. Um, as we move on to game uh, game two, Mr. Jones said one committee member has a son on Southern Miss. Yeah, he's exactly right. He sure does. There's it actually another. It, it that only that only hurt us in the selection process. It right. doesn't hurt us right. in it doesn't hurt us in the Omaha selection because that is completely numerical. There there is yep. no there's no vote. There's no committee decision. It is strictly numbers. And I'm still concerned they'll figure out a way to make it not be that way. <laughs> um, I need to go put my shirt on, my Batter Ball Syndrome Survivor shirt. Oh, speaking of that, hey, if you want a shirt, uh, man, we have some. And uh, they are good looking and something that all everyone would want, I'm sure. Uh, you can find that on thevolbros.com, Batter Ball Syndrome Survivor. Wow, that is a good looking shirt. Um, now, uh, game two. Actually, we had one other comment. Uh, yeah, Rebecca said, I don't trust him either. <laughs> uh, so Mr. Jones' second comment here leads us right into our discussion of game two. Good to see Dolander bounce back after that rough start. Rustin, what were your thoughts about game two as a whole? Chase was outstanding. It was He was just fun. You know, there's moments throughout this season where he is just in the zone He's very loose. He, he he clearly looks very comfortable and in a groove, and he's unhittable when he's like that. I would, there was one at bat that really stood out to me, and if you you know most people have never seen this live, so it's impossible to explain. But there was an at bat where um, Southern Miss's best hitter was at the plate, the left-hander. He threw a first pitch fastball on the guy's hands at ninety-eight which the fact that the dude even fouled it off is pretty incredible because 98 on the hands is almost unhittable. The next pitch, um, Chase throws a, a, a split change. It's not a typical changeup. He splits his fingers out, so it almost acts like a split-finger fastball. He threw that splitter. Okay, again, 98 on the hands. He threw that splitter at 87. It started on the inside corner of the plate, and Cal Stark caught it off the outside corner of the plate. It literally ran the entire length of the plate and dropped. When the starting pitcher can do that, you're losing. Like you, you're <laughs> not going to hit him. It's game over. He he has absolute mastery of everything in his arsenal, and you are going to lose. And, and he, he was just, you know, the, the phrase he's dealing is an understatement. He was just so dominant. And once he got settled in, he was, he was pretty much unhittable. Like people watch guys put balls in play, but if you really watch that game, Southern Miss never really, after that, after they, after Chase settled down, Southern Miss never put a ball in play hard. Like it was just basic fly balls routine ground balls like it, it wasn't there wasn't anything overly impressive um and that's that's totally chase dolander 
I think at one point he retired 14 out of 15 straight hitters. He got up to 17 out of 18. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that's just in a super regional. That's incredible. Yep. Absolutely incredible. Um, Tyler Goldberg just said, you know you're good when your opponent tells you you suck after you strike him out. <laughs> yeah. What was that dude thinking? You you just so, look you just looked awful on a fastball in the eyes that you swung at and wasn't even a wasn't even a strike. You strike out because you swing at a ball in your eyes because you have no idea what's coming next. And then you yell at the pitcher that he sucks. And and I love I love Chase's response. He just kind of goes like this and turned and pointed at the scoreboard. Yeah. Um Derek Bigham said, Go Vols. Absolutely. Hey, good to have you with us, Derek. Good to have you. Uh, TK81, good to have you. And he said, Go Big Orange. Absolutely. Um, so, Joe Lander, you know, the the bottom of the third and the top of the fourth. Well, that was the whole game right there, wasn't it? Uh, the bottom of the third, Southern Miss comes in, uh, scores four runs with no outs. And you know, Todd Walker mentioned, I don't know if anybody knows this, but he's actually the MVP of the college world series in 1993. Um, they mentioned that on the, on the show today. I, I caught that all 23 times. Um, but they, uh, they mentioned he kept coming back to it as well. The play Zane Denton made down the third baseline diving and getting up and throwing that dude out. First of all, that's sports center, top 10 material right there. But secondly, what a tone setter for the rest yeah. of the whole game. You know, here they are. They're, they're All the momentum is with Southern Miss. They scored four runs with no outs in one inning. And all of a sudden, dude, the next dude up ropes the line drive down the third baseline, and Zane makes that play. And talk about a statement like, hey, we're not done. We are not done. We're, just, we're here. We're going to play this game. And that was a huge statement right there by him, the effort that he put forth on that play. And uh, and then, you know, they get out of the inning. They don't allow another run the rest of the whole game. Uh, Dolander Do- just starts, I mean, like, his best outing from the from the fifth, fifth inning on, his best outing of potentially the whole season. I mean, just, it was just incredible. Uh, and it, and it, that one play was like a statement, like, we're not done. Let's go. You know, that kind of stuff. And uh, it was awesome, man. It was, it was great. And then they come in in the top of the fourth and kaboom, you know, uh, hit or bat around the, the whole order in the top of the fourth. Um, so, so good to see. First of all, I love, I love Jared Dickey's aggression. He, he, do, he does not waste an at-bat. Uh, that's one thing that frustrated me so bad several times today. It, it seemed like uh, especially when Maui Huna was up there, there were wasted swings. Yeah. Um, even, even on swings when, when he had less than two strikes, instead of taking, you know, a full cut at it or something, it was a almost not a wave at it, but definitely not a full cut. And, you know, that, that's, it's frustrating to see, but you'll never get that with Jared Dickey. Uh, he, he takes advantage of every swing and I love that. Um, so, you know, it was awesome to see him. It was awesome to see him get that line drive up the middle uh, that scored, that ended up scoring three runs. 
because you mentioned Rustin earlier. You said, you know, talk, you, you mentioned bad hops and, you know, you get a hop to go your way. Well, that was one of them because yeah. the ball did not hop off the turf. It's it like hit the turf and skid and mm-hmm. went right under the guy's glove. And it's totally surprised him. Etzel totally surprised him too, because 99 times out of a hundred, that ball hits the turf and bounces up. And it didn't, it just, it, it, it just like, boom, it just skipped right along the, the turf there. Went right under his glove. Totally surprised him too. And it ended up allowing three runs to score, which was huge. Because, you know, early in the game we had bases loaded and didn't capitalize on it. And so it was a, it was a huge, huge deal to bust that open right there. Um, man, oh, man, what a difference a half inning makes. Yeah. Um, and so kudos to Dolander, because you mentioned this a second ago, that, you know, he was hitting 98 on the gun. When he came back out to start the ninth inning, first of all, I, I texted Rustin and our dad, and I said, "If in the in the in bottom of the seventh, I said if Dolander can get us through the eighth inning, and then they bring in Kirby to end it, talk about totally different pitching. You go from this flame throwing right hander that you know has a fastball that's running nine inches, that kind of thing, to a big looping curveball lefty." that's topping out at like 88. That is a big difference. And I don't think Southern Miss could have adjusted uh, in one inning to that big of a difference. But, you know, Dolaner goes back out there. I think when he jogged out there for the the, the ninth inning, and somebody can correct me on this, um, I think he was at 107. No, no, no. He was at 105 pitches, I think. Somebody can, you know, double check me on that. It was at least 104. I know that. And the first pitch of the, of the ninth inning was 97 miles an hour. Yep. He still had every bit as much velocity as he had the whole game long in the ninth inning after a hundred and something pitches. That's incredible. You, You know, every single major league scout was drooling when they saw that. I mean, that game right there, listen, everybody already knew Dolaner was going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. That game right there just solidified it and made him a lot of money. Yeah. And so I was super thrilled for him. Uh, and you could tell it meant a lot to him too, and especially that one inning when he he was so pumped up, you know, he's screaming, yeah, as he comes off the mound. He was he was loving it. Uh, Mr. Jones said, our pitching depth has shown up a few times this postseason. Hope we can come out and dominate tomorrow. Absolutely. 100%. And man, that we're going to talk about that here in just a second, actually. Uh, TK81 said, did y'all hear about the drama in the stands? Yes. Okay, so here's what TK81 is talking about. I think it was like the fourth or fifth inning. Yeah. Uh, a Tennessee fan got ejected from the game. Turns out it was Christian Scott's dad. Well, about two or three innings later, and, and, and if, if you want to you know, hear the whole story, you can go to Ben McKee on Twitter. He's the one that was tweeting it out as it was happening. Ben McKee tweeted out apparently what it, what security started investigating the situation, and what they discovered was that there were uh, fans for Southern Miss throwing cups at. Now he didn't say if they were empty or not. Um, I, I think they probably were because I didn't see you know they kept showing Tony's dad in the stands and it didn't seem like his shirt was wet or anything. But these fans kept throwing their cups at Tony Vitello's dad up in the stands, which. I mean, what in the world? So, um, apparently, after that, 
uh, the the police went and got Christian Scott's dad from outside the stadium and brought him back into the stadium and let him readmit. And they threw out the guy that was throwing the cups. So uh, apparently there was a lot of, a lot of back and forth between Tennessee fans and Southern Miss fans. And they were talking about after the game, uh, potential security, you know, for tomorrow, making sure that uh, they were stationed and, and so that they could break up anything, that kind of stuff. They're already planning on it for tomorrow. So, yeah, there was some stuff going on in the stands for sure. So after after that happened, it actually happened again in the bottom of the eighth. Um, somebody else decided to take up that dude's mantle and keep throwing crap at Tony Vitello's dad. And uh, dad Vitello went up in the stands after him and called him out. Hmm. Um, so it actually happened twice. Um, does a bear poop in the woods said, I thought the same thing. I believe he was referring to when we were talking about based on when that comment came through, when we were talking about wasted swings and at bats and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it was absolutely, I mean, it wasn't just Maui, several people, but, or a few people. Um, but definitely Maui had a couple wasted swings today. Um, Mr. Jones said it was great to see it, you know, throwing out a runner at second base. Absolutely. Cal Stark is certainly, you know, made his presence known defensively. If he can get hot offensively, that's just icing on the cake at this point. It's going to be interesting to see what Maui does after this season. Um, you know, coming into the season, everybody just assumed this was a one and done scenario that, you know, he would, he would go on to major league draft and be gone. He's technically got another season. And, um, I think he's found out the hard way this year that maybe Tennessee schedules a little harder than Kansas's was. No doubt about it. And, no um, doubt about it. you know, maybe his numbers were a little inflated because of Kansas's schedule. And he really needs another year in the SEC to prove to pro scouts that he might be as yeah. good as they thought he was. Now, exactly. Def- defensively, that dude is phenomenal. Like, People get upset when he makes errors. The errors he makes, you you just don't understand baseball. Like he he makes errors because he's doing things the right way, and balls just for whatever reason tend to he he gets a lot of bad hops. Um, well, okay, spring, so today he got one. Uh, there was a, a yeah. ball that was hit at him early in the game in game two, and man, that was a wicked high. It just ate yeah. him up. Like no no one feels that ball. Just so we're all clear, I right. mean that was that was a wicked wicked hop. Arm strength is way above average. Um, I mean, his, his arm strength might be top of the list in, in all of college baseball. Footwork is phenomenal. Um, the big question, his speed is excellent. The, the big question mark has become consistency at the plate. Right. Um, and, and so I think it'll be interesting to see because Zane Denton's got a year left too. You know, is there a scenario at play here where next year the left side of the infield's back? And that would be a huge positive if it was. Um, Tyler Goldberg said that after the game, they showed uh, Tony's dad holding one of the cups up in the stands after the final out. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, actually, it showed him talking to somebody up in the stands. And I wondered if maybe that was somebody who had been throwing him or that kind of thing. Um, Let me tell you right hey, now, Tony, dad Tony, Tony gets his toughness not a from man somewhere. you want to mess with. That that yeah, exactly. dude, well, that dude, what he does not care. He will come take you out. <laughs> yep. That is not a man you want to mess around with. And so earlier when I was mentioning, you know, that you know they go Dolander, and if they had brought in Kirby, it would have been such a juxtaposition. 
And Tyler said, Tennessee just said, well, we'll make it faster. <laughs> You're seeing 97, 98. Well, here comes 99 and almost 100 at you. No, he did. He's he exactly touched right. 100 once. Um, um, Todd Walker actually mentioned it because it didn't pop up on the radar screen. And he made a point to say it that he goes, that one was 100. <laughs> um, he was Elijah. He was feeling it. Elijah, good to see you, buddy. He said, let's just hope we can actually play the game tomorrow. Yeah, 100%. Because, I mean, there are storms all in the forecast. If they don't play it in the morning, we will not be playing. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Unfortunately, uh, I was just looking at the scores. We're not going to know anytime soon. Um, Stanford and Texas is just in the second inning. And, you know, um. If Stanford and Texas go to game three, that'll be the primetime game because, you know, you've got California and Texas. It's two major markets. ESPN will put them in the in the main time slot. Um, Kentucky, uh, LSU is about to beat Kentucky most likely. Oral Roberts. That series is done. Oral Roberts, ironically, is about to beat Oregon, um, which means maybe. <laughs> After two massive comeback and walk-offs opposite nights, who knows in that one? <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's top of the night, and they're – I mean, yeah, it's always possible. It's top of the ninth, and they're up three. Um, so that means there would only be two games tomorrow, Tennessee, Southern Miss, and Texas, Stanford. ESPN's going to put the big market games in the primetime slot. So that means we would be like 3 o'clock. Um, who knows? Yeah, I mean, like I said, if they don't play in the morning, they're not playing. I mean, that's that's just the bottom line because there's going to be too many storms. It'll be a repeat of Saturday. They'll get out there, throw a couple pitches, and then all of a sudden, here comes the lightning. Um, Rob said, Blake Burke hits massive home run to show. As of today, he is no longer a teenager. Man, wasn't that cool? Everybody, it seems like everybody gets a good hit on their birthday. It seems like that. And Blake got two of them. And one of them was an absolute missile over the right field fence. Um, Rob, good to see you too, man. We appreciate you joining us. Um, so does bear poop in the woods said, I <laughs> think kills me. Uh, the commentators say that Dolander said happens every time when he was taken out. I didn't see, but wondered if he did and what he was referring to. Okay. Okay. Good question. Yeah. He said it. Uh, it, so when, when you, it was funny, he turns around and starts walking off the mound towards the back. And when he turns back around, you could see, you could read his lips. He said happens every time like that. I mean, it was just clear as day. You can see, you can read his lips. So the last time he was out there, he got to, I don't know, I think it was the ninth inning, and he got one out in the ninth inning, and they took him out after that because uh, he walked the guy. And so Chase Burns came in to relieve him then. Um, you know, a couple games back, oh, man, I can't remember what it was. It was one of their last two regular season series. Dolander throws an incredible game. He gets a couple runners on. They bring Chase Burns in, and that was the game that Chase didn't do so well, and they end up scoring a bunch of runs in that inning. And so that's what he was referring to. You know, every time he'll make it to late in, late in the game, even the ninth inning, and then they take him out, and here comes you know after one guy gets on base, they take him out, and here comes in Chase Burns. Um, now I totally, I totally understood them taking out Dolander tonight because. 111 pitches in the game and you just that was his first walk in in the ninth inning he hadn't walked a single person the whole game that's yeah. incredible and that was his first walk and listen in that situation you can't you there is no tomorrow if you don't win you can't risk it and so um 
as soon well, as as and, soon as they and the ahead. type of walk makes a difference like sure if he was if he was pounded in the strike zone and that hitter fouled off three four pitches and you know he drew a walk but you were still attacking the zone that's a different animal he walked right. that dude on five pitches and three of them were nowhere close yeah, that first pitch slipped out of his hand and wasn't even near the zone. Yeah. I mean, I was actually kind of shocked that Cal Stark, he was even able to catch the ball. Um, so I mean that, you know, that was indicative of it's it's time and, and you can't you can't waste it. And um wonderfully, Burns comes in, throws six pitches, and we're done. So he one hundred percent will be back out on that mound tomorrow. I mean, I would be unless Drew Beam is just, you know, tearing it up. <clears throat> I mean, you know, you think about it. Literally the entire, but well, they can go out there tomorrow, throw Drew Beam, uh, follow him up with Russell, Camden Sewell, Kirby. Uh, if they want to, Halverson, I, I, I'd be shocked if Halverson gets in there tomorrow. I, I don't think he they've will, already if they said, want to, he could. They've, they've already said that he feels like he's got at least one inning in him, and Chase Burns absolutely will throw tomorrow. You, you could see Chase Burns for two to three innings tomorrow. Yeah. Um, he, only I mean, threw, like, he only threw 10 pitches tonight. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was wonderful that he was able to get out of the inning that quickly. That double play was huge um, because that, I mean, that that is a tremendous help for tomorrow. Uh, Mr. Jones said, Chase Dolander, yeah, for real, right? <laughs> uh, he, he made some money tonight, no doubt about it. Um, Mr. Jones said, I think, Vols baseball being good and exciting also helps in football recruiting 100%. Same thing for softball, same thing for basketball. Uh, when there is a winning culture, people like to be around winning. People like to be around excitement. Uh, you know, the, Tennessee can tell every recruit, hey, we had the best athletic department in the SEC this year. And that's not me saying that because I'm a Volbro. That's the who was it like the AP media or somebody gave out their award for this, which programs had the best year. No, it was the conference. It was, it was the sec office. They gave it out and Tennessee's uh, athletic department won the award this year for best athletic department performance because of all the teams they had that were so successful in all the different sports. I totally agree. It, it, it 100% helps in recruiting. What do you think, Rustin? So, I mean, we just had J.J. Harrell decommit, and honestly, I think it's because we're about to see Amari Jefferson commit. He's already committed to baseball, um, big-time baseball prospect, four-star wide receiver. Um, you know, the the hardest time for coaches to recruit is um, during the season, and so they've got to have things they can take guys to during the offseason that show the passion of the fan base, show the um show what a, a day on rocky top is like so when basketball's good that helps football when baseball's good i mean we've seen pictures of josh heupel and other coaches sitting in the stands at baseball games with recruits yep it speaks volumes when they look around and they see the atmosphere at a tennessee baseball game when they when they see the crowd when they hear they're doing a 60 million dollar renovation because they can't they can't get enough seats they sell out everything it speaks volumes. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens with Amari Jefferson. Again, he's already committed for baseball. Um, he's a big time player. 
And, and if they truly are good with him being a two-way, and I think because of Josh Heupel and Tony Vitello's relationship, they probably are legitimately going to let him play both. Um, that opens up all kinds of doors because you got guys out there, you know, Caden Martin is currently in the transfer portal. Um, you know, for those of you who don't remember, that's T Martin's son that dropped football, even though he's one of the best quarterbacks in America to focus on baseball, went to Miami this year. He's already in the portal. Um, be really nice to have a massive left-handed bat in the lineup who could also pitch and throws low nineties. And though, by the way, could walk on in football and be your number three, number four quarterback. Just saying. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Tyler Goldberg said, I'll tell you this. I remember being a UT Media Relations intern and sitting in the dugout when Coach Vitello's press conference happened. None of us cared all that much. But, boy, this team has really been great for UT all around. Absolutely. And I think that started with last year's team. Uh, You know, last year's team, let's just be totally honest. Nobody liked them. But because nobody liked them, they put college baseball on the national map last yeah. year. They made college baseball must see TV because they were the villains, you know, they and they were stinking good. Is that's the thing? I mean, like arguably one of the, the well, they were certainly one of the best teams in the history of college baseball. Are some people still will claim arguably not even Tennessee people, but some you know SEC network people will claim is potentially the best team in baseball history to not win at all. Um, you know, just a tremendous to me. And, and as good as they were, every, they were must-see TV because of their antics. I mean, there there are rules in place today because of that team. And people are still talking about that team because of the rules that are in place because, you know, they're, they're impacting games even today. So... You're 100% correct. Uh, Rebecca said, look at emissions too. Everyone wants to come to UTK. Absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about tomorrow. So tomorrow, hopefully we play. They got to play it in the morning or we're not. If we don't play, in theory, we move on. I, you know, it, I, I, don't, I don't trust them. <laughs> I don't trust the, the people at the NCAA that uphold that. Um, hopefully we play. If we play, Rustin said earlier, and I totally agree with him, Tennessee's in the driver's seat because this pitching situation is 100% in Tennessee's favor. You're going to have one of the best pitchers in America go out and start the game in Drew Beam. And isn't that awesome that we can say that four or five of our pitchers are four or five of the best pitchers in America? Um, And so Drew Beam's going to go out to start the game. And, you know, you're – more than likely going to get a tremendous outing out of him because he's that he's been the single most consistent arm on the mound all year. You know, Andrew Lindsay, after being placed in a starting role, has, has been extremely consistent as well. But Drew Beam has been Mr. Consistency the whole year long. And so we know we're going to get a strong outing out of him. And if he gets in any trouble at all, and he knows that too, if he gets in any trouble at all, you're about to see a whole bunch of fresh arms coming out of that bullpen. Um, you know, you got, uh, we didn't even mention Xander Seacrest earlier. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got, you know, two left-handed arms in Seacrest and Kirby, and then you've got Russell, Burns, Halverson. Uh, well, at least those three. Uh, that that would be the first up, you know. Oh, Camden Sewell. Sewell, um, Cannell. I mean, there's uh, – Combs. 
unlimited uh, so there's, options. There's five right-handed yeah. arms. So, I mean, we just mentioned seven relief pitchers uh, with very drastically different styles. You know, Combs, the thing about him is you never know what arm angle the ball is coming at you from. He could come over three quarters. Next one, it's like sidearm. I mean, like you, you just don't know. And so that's that's his efficacy, if you want to call it that. That's where he comes into play. So they got they got they got some really. I mean, if you're a Tennessee fan, and we were actually talking about this, me and a couple guys at church this morning, we said, I told them I was like, if they can just win one today, mm-hmm. that's 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 all they need. They just need one today. If they can win one then you have to like their chances tomorrow because of pitching. And that's all it comes down to is they have better and more arms right now, ready to roll. And hopefully they come out. If the bats are productive, I think we see a Tennessee win tomorrow. What about you? Yeah. And, and we're also the home team. You know, that, that helps. Um, Just an update. LSU just scored three runs in the top of the ninth. They're now up on Kentucky eight to three. And even weirder, because this whole series has just been bizarre. If y'all aren't watching Oral Roberts in Oregon, you have missed one of the weirdest super regionals in the history of super regionals. The that Oregon is not an exaggeration either. Yeah. The Oregon bullpen. Okay, it was it was eight to five. The Oregon bullpen just walked in, not one. Not two, three runs. It is oh, now goodness. eleven to five. Oral Roberts. Oregon has them right where they want them now. <laughs> because here's the thing: game one, Oral Roberts was up eight to nothing, and, and Oregon and and lost. Oregon came all the way back and beat them nine to eight on a walk off, walk off hit. Uh, then last night, Oregon was ahead by like three or four runs or something like that. And in the bottom of the ninth, Oral Roberts comes back and wins on a walk-off. They score like you, three runs or something. But even the walk-off the last night, did you see what it was? Mm-mm. I just saw the, the tail end of it where they're celebrating on the field. The tying run was on third. The winning run was on second. Guy hit a ball down the line with a weird spin on it. It landed right on the foul line and kicked sideways into the bleachers for a ground rule double. That so, explains why. So I was Oregon wondering why he didn't get to make a play on it, and the runner, the winning run, scored because it kicked into the bleachers. Oh my goodness! So that explains it because I remember seeing his team mob him at second base, and I'm like, "Wait, what? What? You know, like I thought it, you know." I figured maybe it was like a base hit and the winning run was on third or something like that. But um, it was literally now. it literally landed on the line. It was so close. They reviewed it to make sure it wasn't a foul ball. And it literally landed right on top of the line. And they had a weird side spin and kicked sideways into the bleachers for a ground rule double. Hmm. So that means that uh, probably like Rustin said a minute ago, there will only be two games tomorrow. Uh, Texas and Stanford, potentially, and uh, Tennessee and Southern Miss. Now, what if, and, and, I, and I don't know the answer to this, that's why I'm asking. What if the game gets lightninged out? Because it's not going to get rained out because they got a turf field, but it could get lightninged out tomorrow. 
would they postpone? I do not think they will postpone it all the way, you know, till Wednesday. I think that by that point, they're like, all right, it's done. We got to move on and get everything set up for a college world series. Would they, do you think, would they postpone till Tuesday and try to play it Tuesday? Cause I don't know. And I'd be curious to know because at some point they have to move on. Like, and they, they have to get ready for the college world series. And I would venture to guess that Wednesday is that day. I think they might postpone it till Tuesday, but then we got to start thinking about that. That puts both Southern Miss and Tennessee at a disadvantage, whoever advances to the college world series because now you're playing on only three to four days rest while everybody else is on five, six, maybe potentially even seven days rest, depending on when they, you know, we're playing. I think we're paired up with the LSU Kentucky regional, which means that, you know, they're going to be done tonight. So they're going to have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If we play on Saturday, that's six days rest. If we put up playing on Tuesday, that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three days rest. That's a big difference. And so, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to know at what point they're just going to be like, all right, we're calling it. It might be after tomorrow. I don't know. They might not even try postponing it till Tuesday. But here's the thing. Like, this isn't, this isn't some crazy hypothetical conversation we're having right now. This legit could happen. <laughs> because if they try to schedule this game for tomorrow afternoon or early evening, it will not happen. The game won't play because there's too many storms in the forecast. And so it'll be the same situation we had Saturday night. They'll get out there. They'll start the game. All of a sudden, lightning strikes, and you got a 30-minute delay. 20 minutes into it, oh, more lightning. Another 30 minutes added on. I mean, if if listen, if that means Tennessee advances, then, you know, let it pour, I guess. <laughs> but if I, – I don't – I wouldn't just – I don't, I don't, I guess I'm too jaded. I'm not going to trust the people at the NCAA to do what's right. So I hope they play and I hope they play it early, you know, start at like 11 o'clock Eastern time. That way it I is in. Can't find, I can't find anywhere what happens as far as how long it can be postponed. Um, I would think they could play on Tuesday because the College World Series won't start until Saturday. So if they play on Tuesday, that gives them a travel day on Wednesday, which is when they would travel most likely anyway. Um, They might just not travel from UT. They might travel directly from Southern Miss. Um, You know, and remember, none of these guys are in class anymore. So it doesn't matter if they go back to Knoxville or not. Um, You know, they can, they can just go on to Omaha from there. Um, I would have to think they can, they're allowed to play on Tuesday. Um, and you know, depending on when they're able to leave Tuesday, they might able, might be able to go back to Knoxville, you know, spend Tuesday night in Knoxville, fly out on Wednesday. Um, even maybe fly out Thursday morning, have practice in Omaha Thursday and Friday and play Saturday. Um, yeah, I think Tuesday is certainly a reasonable, uh, consideration because that means that you're essentially what that would mean is that you give every super regional site a one day buffer. You know what I'm saying? Like that it was scheduled to be Saturday to Monday 
And if there's one day that gets totally just rained out, then you got a one day buffer for the Friday through Sunday games. Their one day buffer would have been today that or t- would have been tomorrow, that kind of thing. So I think that makes sense to give them like a one day kind of leeway area so that if there's, you know, inclement weather, then there's at least a one day buffer. So I would venture to guess that Tuesday probably would potentially be in play, but I don't see how they can go past Tuesday. I mean, I, I'm just, I don't see how they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Southern Miss, if that gets to be the case, then Southern Miss is going to do everything impossible to make sure they play on Tuesday. Um, and if, if they can't play on Tuesday, then they're going to make sure to try to get it on Wednesday, but you can't do that. Like you, you can't, you can't do that to the people in Omaha. Um, because and they're trying to get ready for this too and get the stadium set up with the proper flags and stuff out on the, you know, the, the stands and all the, uh, media people are trying to get all their graphics and all that kind of stuff done. I just don't see how you can go, go past Tuesday, but that's just me. Well, any last thoughts before tomorrow? You know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. Um, I think I get more nervous about baseball games than than football and basketball because football and basketball, in my opinion, are a little more predictable. Um, you just never know what you're going to get in a baseball game. You know, some some random kid that hasn't had a very good year all year could all of a sudden decide he's going to be lights out for one day um, and keep people baffled and quiet bats, you know, or vice versa, Drew Beam could come out and for whatever reason just not be feeling it and implode. Um, you know, I feel like I feel like whoever is on the mound, they're all gonna have a short hook because one hundred percent they've got yes. so many guys available, there's no reason to allow anybody to get them in a hole. Um right. but you know. I think Wes Rucker said it earlier tonight, and I think it I think it should be said again. This is a Southern Miss team that won four elimination games one week ago. You know, four games in in three days where they could have ended their season, and they went four zero. Um, so this is a this is a tough, scrappy, um, you know, never quit bunch and. That's a good point. We're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to put it on them. Um, they're not gonna back down. I think that's a great point because I mean, listen, they don't want their season to end either. They want to go to Omaha too. <laughs> they want to do it for their coach. They want to do it for themselves. They want and, this every and, bit as much as as Tennessee does. And and they went last year. I mean, this isn't something new for them. You know, they they're looking to go back to back seasons. Like that, this is a quality program. So it'll be a tremendous game for sure. Runs will be at a premium. Base running is going to be vitally important. The team that makes fewer errors will win. That's, I mean, I, I we can almost guarantee that, you know. Um, it's just, it's going to be a vitally, every, every pitch, every routine ground ball is going to be amplified because everybody knows one run can be the difference in a season ending or not in a trip to Omaha. So no matter, no matter what happens, I hope people keep one thing in perspective. There are 295 division one baseball teams. 
There's only 16 still playing. In the history of the University of Tennessee, UT has gone to five Super Regionals. This is Tony Vitello's third. He has three of the five. You know, anyone who wants to criticize that has no idea what they're talking about. What, what that man has done has just been absolutely incredible. Absolutely. 100%. That's the thing. I mean, I, I was thinking about that when they were down four to nothing. I was like, if this is it, I was thinking about this show tonight, like what I was going to say. And I was, I was going to say they made it to the super regionals. Like that's incredible. <laughs> that is a good season. You know, it's a great season. So, I mean, there's nothing to be upset about in that. Um, but the a thing is people, a lot of people put football parameters on other sports. You know, there's only what a hundred and, 132 Division I football programs. There's 295 Division I baseball programs. Being in the final 16 is stinking impressive. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Anytime you make it a super regional, that's a good year right there. So hopefully, with the pitching that they have available tomorrow, they'll be playing in Omaha this weekend. That's the hope. Because like Rustin said, whoever walks out, you know, Drew Beam's going to walk out on the mound first. But Every single person walking out there knows if they if they don't have it, they're not staying in long. And yeah. they understand that. And, I mean, they're not – that's not something to be upset about. You know, if you're pitching and you, you don't have it that date, no big deal. There, yeah. you, you can't wait. There is no tomorrow. You have to win. And so everybody uh, who has eligibility in that bullpen will be eligible tomorrow. <laughs> uh, every single arm is going to be all hands on deck. Well, as soon as we find out what time that is, we will certainly tweet it out as well. Um, you know, we appreciate everybody following us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are certainly the most active on uh, Twitter uh, by far and away. You know, we were having fun with that today during the games. And so uh, we'd love for you to follow along with us tomorrow as we're, as we're watching the game as well. We'll be tweeting at your net. So it's at the Vol Bros on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, where most of you are watching right now. Uh, actually, everybody right now. For those who were watching on Facebook and Twitter, we appreciate y'all watching. Uh, but go Vols tomorrow. Big, big game. If they get it in, hopefully they will. And hopefully Tennessee comes out uh, and handles business and pitching dominates and we see the same type of performance that we saw from the fourth inning on today in the game, too. We hope everybody has a wonderful evening. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us. We had a lot of great interaction tonight. We really appreciate that. Uh, that's, what, that's our favorite part about this. So uh, we hope everybody has a wonderful evening. Go Vols. Big game tomorrow. And we will talk to you very soon. <laughs>